Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 264, covering Coda and Blood Fever. Hello, friends. Uh, yeah. I hate, I hate to begin every show like this now with... I, I made this reference on uh, Twitter if you're transcribing our show for some reason. And you for, should be, because for the hearing impaired, great wisdom coming out of this. Yeah, I, I imagine it would be quicker for you if you created a macro for uh, uh, disgusted sigh. Ah. Because you have to type that up. No, uh, that, the kiff noise. Yep. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. it's <sighs> It's just been like that weeks and weeks in a row. I will say I didn't hate the second of these. No, it was... You know, fine. It was great for season three. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the best episode we've watched so far. Yeah, for months and months now. Yeah, like... Maybe the best we've watched in, like, 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, going way back. But uh, the first one sure kept the streak going, didn't it? Yeah, it surely did. Would you... I don't want to I don't want to step on your summary here, but would, could, would you not sum up the episode with Time Ghost? I would definitely call it Time Ghost. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely call it uh, the be- the worst of uh, TNG. Well, we can get into that. I just like if you wanted to sell someone on that basic premise, of like, oh, that's that's the captain is a time ghost, of course. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, <sighs> like you do. Yeah, you wanna you wanna tell the folks about Coda? You wanna hear about Coda? No, I don't no. want to hear about Coda. No, but the people show up to hear us tell uh, tell them, so you should do that. Mm, all right. Well, heading back from the important business of Voyager's talent show, uh, Worf took seventh place, uh, beating out Tom uh, Tom Paris's close-up magic and Harold's impression of a naked mole rat. Cat and Chuck's shuttle crashes on an alien planet, like, three times, and then the Enterprise explodes again. And if references to that episode of TNG wasn't bad enough, we're also going to spend some time ripping off Not Just Cloak Phase 2, as the disembodied spirit of Catherine Janeway wanders the halls of Voyager, dragging behind her the romance novels she forged in life. Yes, Cat is apparently dead. And a ghost. She knows this because she can pass through walls like a middle-aged Kitty Pride, and also because her dead dad is telling her so. After attending her own funeral and watching Harry ride her casket into the ground like it's the middle of Pet Cemetery, Cat tells her dad to fuck the fuck off so she continue to haunt Voyager as the ghost captain. Which is actually a pretty cool idea if Ghost Dad hadn't already done it. Can I still talk about Ghost Dad? I feel like I probably can't. Anyway, speaking of, Cat's Ghost Dad tells her to get into his glowy hole to heaven, and Cat starts to suspect something might be up, especially when Ghost Dad gets evil and yelly and starts threatening to devour her. Then she tells him to go to hell, which is pretty badass, and the doctor brings her back to life. The captain is very happy, but she secretly knows that, according to all dogs go to heaven rules, she has lost her chance at the pearly gates. Uh, now, see, I never saw the uh, the Don Bluth oeuvre of all dogs go to heaven, mm. the saga yes. of all dogs go to heaven, so I don't know how their mythology works. Well, the idea but, uh, is that all dogs go to heaven. Uh, okay, so it's right there in the title. That's right. elegant. Uh, once you're in heaven, you get a watch that's stopped. But if you rewind it, you can go back to Earth. But if you do that, you go to hell the next time you die. So it's another forbidden fruit thing. God has handed you a thing mm-hmm. that you can do something amazing with and said, don't use it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that guy's a jerk. He's real. Yeah. yeah. There's, also, I, I feel like there's a whole book about how he's a jerk. I At least one. Mm-hmm. I hear he got it better in the sequel, but, eh. you know. Um. So you say ghost captain, and I immediately do not picture a ghost sitting in the center seat on the bridge. I picture a ghost at a giant, like, ship's wheel. <laughs> you, picture but it's the, still, you picture the ghost pirate LeChuck. I, basically, only it is Janeway, uh-huh. and, she, and the wheel is steering Voyager. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be a giant old ship's wheel. Now, is it in the middle of the bridge, or is it on top of the ship? Because I feel like both are fine. I think top of the ship would be better. Yeah. Just I hadn't thought of that, but now that you say it, it makes it, it paints a much better picture. See, and now I want to put like a uh, like a ship's uh, like a ship's figurehead of seven of nine on the front of it to, of it too. Yeah, and um, I I like the idea of even though it's space and there's no air, like her hair is blowing. Yep. Like like there's a stiff breeze yep. out there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we once again, just just riffing here, have come up with a much better episode than what we actually We got. sure have. Oh, boy. This was bad. This is a bad episode um, for it's, a number of it, reasons. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, like, first first of all, it, like I said in my summary, it absolutely feels like it was cut together from other not still not interesting episodes of TNG. Well, let me let me just, that's my bad thing. So get out your Star Trek cliche bingo card. Time loops, right, check. I've got that, hang on. Hmm? I, I've got that right here somewhere, hang on. Oh, oh yeah, sure. All right, I, check. You know. uh, someone thinks they're dead, but uh-huh. it's really Technobabble. Yep. An alien possesses, uh, oh, excuse me, an alien poses as something they're not. Uh-huh. Uh, a possible alien explanation for something from human history, because the, the ghost dad says, but, or, or Kate at one point says, maybe this is all those uh, all those out of body experiences people have when they die. Is this these aliens? Uh huh. Okay, that's so that's four. So I guess that's not bingo. That's just bing. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's a bing out. Yeah. <laughs> you look like a gringo. I say. <laughs> it's, so it's only four horribly overused Trek tropes, but. Does that make this a good episode on the steep curve that we're now grading Voyager on? I, I, I'm taking. I'm going to take my bingo prize. Yeah, fair enough. What is this like? Uh, you know, two dollars off of McDonald's. I think. I think that's about right. Yeah. yeah. No, two dollars off of a of, of Neelix hair burger. Oh God. Yeah. Made, <laughs> made with my own special gravy. Oh God, hair gravy. Mm-hmm. It's made from my own squeezins. <laughs> It just, like you say, it's a pastiche, like a, a fucking Frankenstein's Doctor's Monster of, of pieces of other episodes, only not done as well. No, and the episodes that they're based on, like... Were classic next-gen episodes, most of them. Uh, well, one of them. Okay, one of them. Well, one of them was The Enterprise Explodes Again. That's true. I didn't hate that episode as much as you did. That oh, one really bugged man. you. Yeah, it did. Um... Oh, but one of them was, as we call it, not just cloaked phased. Uh, yeah. It's actually, I believe, called the next phase where Jordy and Roe think they're dead. Right. I, the, I had actually had a note here because I noticed that as well because it's hard to miss. Mm-hmm. But it's like the reason that episode worked is because we, the audience, knew they weren't dead. There wasn't a mystery about that. The mystery was, oh, shit, is the inter- are the Enterprise guys going to find out what's going on in time or are they going to be stuck like this forever? Yeah. And, I mean, we knew they weren't, but it was still well, Roe better than... But I'm like... I don't think Star Trek has, at least modern Star Trek, has ever done this, what's really going on? It's a mystery. Like, this is my main thing against Braga, and this one was a Jerry Taylor, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can, t- where, you can, it, it, it's Braga enough that, like. But it's, I don't want to just blame him, because they all do it, mm-hmm. or many of them do it anyway. This structuring the episode like a mystery, where the main character is going through something wacky, and we don't know what it is, and then we find out what it is, and it's just a bullshit alien or a technobabble it's not a thing we could have solved ourselves yeah so there's no reason to make it a mystery except that it makes things more confusing and stupid yeah like which is which is just, what they like and that's why it didn't work as well as as uh the next phase mm. which was an interesting character piece yeah which was about how people deal with death more than thinking that they're actually dead it was more about what would Jordy's friends do if Jordy's friends thought he was dead? Mm-hmm. How would Roe react if she believed she was dead? Like that was interesting. Yeah, this was not wrong. interesting. Remember Jordy? <sighs> I miss Jordy. Remember Roe? I miss Roe. Good, good characters. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, like you're talking about the funeral scene, the uh, the or the how how our characters grieve or whatever. Yeah. Um. I'm going to give the award for that one to Annie, who has a great little... Yeah, it's a nice little speech. Like, she really sums up the character development we've been talking about with her. Like, mm-hmm. since we started noticing her and uh, uh, Janeway hanging out. Yeah. It's a great... You know, it's just like, you know, I came here and I had a chip on my shoulder and I was a jerk. And she really sort of taught me to, like, you know... Problems. She saw my potential. Yeah, and brought it out. It's a really good, like, like speech. And I like the show recognizing the stuff we've recognized. Yeah, the the idea that she's basically the captain's like protege. Like mm-hmm. you you are a young science-minded woman without direction and this helped give my life direction, so let me help you now. Yeah, no, it's a really I, nice uh it's a nice scene. Yeah, I uh, liked I liked it and uh up, uh Higgs Boson really knocked it out of the park, I thought. She sure did. Uh and then Yes. Uh we get to I like in, epi- in episodes like this our good things are still tempered with bad things. Yeah. And then Harry shows up. 
to be Harry. Uh, oh, boy. And just like, oh, Captain, I just like a mom to me, and I, I wish just, I could. I just wish I could crawl back into her womb. Yeah, Harry, that's weird. Stop telling people that. No, <laughs> I like being in the womb. That's canon. <laughs> that's not just a weird joke Alan Matt made up. That's real. Two things we know about Harry. Likes Three things. He like, falls in love with some pattern of lights. He wants to have se- sex with a picture. Yeah. Uh, he likes being in the womb. And he has an old truck he likes to work on. Uh, I just, I don't <laughs> like him. No. And the, uh, I will give them a tiny bit of an out there because it turns out that's not actually Harry. That's Janeway's imagining of Harry. Mm. Maybe she just made him more of a loser than he actually is. But no, I think that's what he would really say. I would love if Janeway's version of Harry was literally represented by a little boy in a uniform. <laughs> or I just just a ridiculous, like, I'm a stupid man. <laughs> like, that's just, that's what her mind projects. <laughs> Fucking Janeway watching. Yes, this all adds up. <laughs> you know, like when Homer imagines what Flanders would do. <laughs> stupid, sexy, <laughs> stupid, sexy Flanders. She would not say stupid, sexy Harry. <laughs> the only one that she should regret thinking sex- is sexy is Chicote. Yeah. Because I at least see the appeal there, but she shouldn't think it. It's like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Stupid, sexy Chicote. <laughs> we did, at the very beginning, I thought we were going to do another These Two Are Stranded on a Planet Together thing. Yep. And I'm glad we didn't. We, yeah. We've done that already. We, you, there's nothing more you can possibly say about that. You did the definitive, and it was pretty good, but you did the definitive These Two yeah. Are Stranded on a Planet Together episode. It's done now. There's your five. Did you get that one? What's that? In your bingo list. There's your five. Uh, no, because I don't know that's... The, stranded on a Planet. No, I think that's broad enough. That's not a cliche. That's just a shows with spaceships. Sometimes people get stranded in space. Like, I'm... I'm willing to forgive that. All right, well, I'll up you one then. Stranded on a uh, stranded on a planet, covered in uh, in uh, fake looking rocks, while it re- while it lightnings in the background. Yeah, no, no, that's not great. But you really want to talk about serious like cliches? Oh, I do. Is your bad thing? Let's. Ch- <laughs> my bad thing's my quote this week, so let's just play that. Uh huh. Breathe, Emmett. Breathe. <laughs> Don't you die on me now? Come on, Catherine. Breathe. That is some of the most cliched dialogue I have ever seen on a TV. Like, did you just come from watching ER, Chuck? Like, Jesus Christ. Well, I actually, my note was, don't, breathe, damn it, don't you die. Oh, son of a bitch, he actually said it. Yeah, the only the only thing that would have been worse is if she'd woken up and he'd go, oh, I thought I lost you there for a minute. Yeah. Like, seriously? It's, it's pretty terrible. Do, do, also, do you have uh, writers on this show, or did you just watch a TV show and then copy it down? No, what they have are infinite monkeys and infinite typewriters. Ugh. Um, except they can't afford infinite monkeys, so they have like three monkeys <laughs> at two typewriters. <laughs> also, throughout that scene, from from the beginning when they land and she's still conscious, mm. he calls her Catherine. Yep, totally inappropriate, dude. It's it's it's, it's not even. You're just- on duty. You're on a mission. She is Captain, yeah, Captain it, it, Janeway. It, it's not even just that, like, it's inappropriate. It just sounds weird coming out of his mouth. It it would sound, think of it in any other context. Think of any other first officer. Okay, maybe Spock saying Jim. Jim. But Riker, no way he would say, Jean-Luc, are you okay? There's no way Kira would say, Ben, are you okay? Like, there's no way. It's just inappropriate. Like, yeah. Because Spock and Jim were, like, you know, super close friends. Mm-hmm. That's That's okay. But... Imagine Scotty doing that. There's no, there's he no, no. That's Captain. That's always Captain. Damn it, Scotty! <laughs> I was trying to think of the next guy down who, who it just would sound weird from. And yeah, that that's him, Scotty. Yeah, uh, man, remember Scotty? <sighs> I miss Scotty. I miss everything. Mm-hmm. I miss joy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so Voyager. Uh huh. This sure thing mm-hmm. that we're doing. It just, it was everything about, there was not one shred of originalness. No. Originality, I think, is the word. Mm-hmm. But originalness will do. Also, we opened this episode how many times in a row now with Neelix bugging someone? Yep, it's just, this is just how we open Voyager now, I guess. This is like... The series Bible says, hey, so you want to write a Voyager episode? Page one, character, like... 
established character walks down the hallway. Neelix rushes to catch up and mm-hmm. bothers them. Yep. That's been the last five episodes in a row. Like, it's getting weird, right? Like, I, I, I'm yeah. not crazy here. Not that We've both noted it. A couple of other people who are watching along with us have noted it. It's definitely not just us. Okay. Because, like, it, it just yeah. every episode, just fade in Voyager hallway. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I had to ask you something annoying. Yep. Hey, can I way overstep my bounds and do your job? Have you seen my pants? <laughs> also, uh, you called this when it happened. Uh, she compl- Remember last week, my quote was mm-hmm. her yelling at him. Yep. She's completely forgotten about that already. Ah, uh, Neelix, my good friend. Let's talk about all the times you've been friends with me. I trust the, you more than anyone. And the usefulness that you possess. What what use is that from this giant naked hamster? <laughs> Not great. Not great. Uh, so, yeah, they, they did. At first, she's going through various things where she thinks she dies, and then it resets. We do the Enterprise time loop thing uh-huh. over and over again. That's the other thing. This episode takes forever to get to the point. Like, she dies like eight times. And I think the idea is that this alien who needs her to voluntarily walk into her matrix or his matrix hole. Yes. As he calls it. You have to enter my matrix. Yep. Enter my hole. matrix hole. Yeah. Uh, represented by her father. That's not weird. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's fine. They study from the uh, the contact aliens school of, uh, well, we want to put someone at ease. So we'll pose as your dead parent. Mm-hmm. That should be fine. No. Venture Brothers already called this out in a really good episode. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Sorry, you had your chance. Yeah. No, I mean, in fairness, this was before that, but they did it badly. So, you know, they're one of the people who fucked it up. Mm -hmm. But it just, it, it, I, to her credit, Mulgrew, like, or uh, Janeway, this isn't the actor. This is, this was in the script. It was like, uh, oh, this must be one of those time loops. Like, did that thing we like, where if you're going to borrow from another episode, you know, you don't stop and tell us like, at this point, this is Star Trek shit. We know Mm -hmm. she's like, oh. This must be some kind of time loop. Let's scam for temporal whatever. Like the Enterprise took two or three acts to even yeah. get there. So to her credit. And actually my good thing mm. feels like a cop out. But uh, this is all I got, man. Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. No, she's pretty great in this. Like once again, we get an episode where I don't care about what's happening. She's not dead. She's nothing. Nothing is bad. that's going to happen to her. She's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not interested in the stakes. She still manages to sell this bullshit. She's good enough and like strong enough idea of what the character's about. Gosh darn it. People like her and people like her and Janeway saves her family. (laughs) Now we're going to talk about Godzilla. Uh Uh-huh. And if you understand the connection between those two things and you've been listening to us for far too long. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's just, it's, she does, she's done. I've called this out before when, when I got nothing else. Cause really it's, nothing about this matters at all. No. And I, there's still a few moments where she makes me care because she's good enough at it. And there's a point where, uh, Tuvok, like Kess can faintly detect her with her mind powers. Mm -hmm. And she goes to Tuvok who's schooling her in her mind powers. She's like, can you help me? I think, I think I'm hearing the captain. What can I do? Put your hand, put your hands on my face. Right. And so, which we'll find out in the next episode is a very dangerous thing to do. Uh, um, but, (laughs) but for now it's fine. Um, so you got uh, Janeway's BFF, definitely BFF on Voyager, if not BFF, period. Mm-hmm. And this this another protege of hers. Like I would say after Bellana, it's, you know, Cass. I'm just like going her. around training all the young women on the ship. Yeah, I like that about her. Mm-hmm. She's got a whole like junior girl brigade. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But um, science chicks. Let's go. Ooh, I like um, that. <laughs> I want to watch that show. You just want them all to wear goggles, don't you? Yes. I knew it. But no, I mean, she's got these two characters that that she's fond of who are fond of her and who are interested in finding her and who are trying to use their abilities to find her. And Mulgrew's got just just some of her face acting just like in the background while they're while they're like desperately like, well, I don't detect anything. And she's got this just desperate like, oh, no, please find me. I'm, I'm right here, guys. Like she did some good acting there. Yeah. That that's that's all I got. No, I also it's the same thing when she's at the funeral and she's just watching, you know. Yeah, before Harry shows up. Because I mean that. Well, yeah. I, she, then she's like rolling her eyes, and she's like doing that thing with your mouth where you're mimicking or your hand where you're mimicking bah, someone's bah, mouth. Bah, 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 bah. Bah. I'm yeah. Harry Kim. I miss my mommy. I like doing clarinet. A little, doing a little sassy hip waggle while she's doing that. 
I wish I could have sex with a hologram lady, but I can't. I want to be in my mom's womb, still. Someday I'll hit puberty. (laughs) Tom Paris is my best friend, inexplicably. (laughs) Tom Paris is my boyfriend. (laughs) Camera is my boyfriend. (laughs) That's what that was, right? I want a Coke. Uh, what else? Um, the other thing while we're on the funeral, uh, Mm. they do a good job of shoving extras into that scene so it actually looks pretty packed. Well, it should be the whole whole ship that's what i'm saying it should like you know they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to get a hundred and whatever people in there but they definitely get in enough people that you're like oh yeah that's everybody star trek's always been pretty good at that Mm -hmm. remember when um who was it that left the enterprise i think it was one of the times Worf quit oh right right and the the long oh it was right before redemption yeah yeah, the long long rows of people who are saluting yeah yeah yeah. right yeah yeah that was a great and one time when they thought ben died on ds9 and they filled the station yeah to the rafters. I think that was our cover art, actually. Yeah, it was. Because I was super impressed with that shot. Mm-hmm. Like, the Star Trek's always done a good job of either getting a bunch of extras or doing camera tricks to make it look like there's people. It doesn't matter how they do it, mm-hmm. but making it look like the ship's full of a bunch of people when they need to. But yeah, the captain dying should be a big thing on the ship. You know, pretty much yeah. everyone should be there. So, you know. Especially here. Yeah. Like, if you're if you're back in the Federation, it's bad. Mm-hmm. But you still might transfer someday soon. But this is basically the woman you've put your entire hopes of ever getting back home in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, now we got Chakotay. Well, at least we'll stop stopping everywhere. I don't know. He does like camping. Ooh, he does like camping. We're going on another camping trip, guys. Oh, man. Also, we did have another brief. And once again, I'm reminded the only time I really like Chakotay is when he's like off duty, casual Chakotay talking to Janeway. Mm hmm. She's the only character I think he's got any chemistry with. Yep. And it's only when he's not doing the reading the stiff, like, well, no life signs, Captain. Like, when he's just casual, like, leaning back and talking about his day or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the only Chakotay I like right now. Yeah. And it shows up so rarely. It does. They they know it's there. Like, you can tell they've, it's one of those partnerships they see the potential in and they, they play up when they can. Mm-hmm. And the scene, which we end up repeating and getting sick of, uh-huh. is, but at first, is cute. They're talking about uh, the talent night yeah. on Voyager, and she did some little dance or something, which is adorable to think of. Now I'll do a dance. And 20XD6. 1936. Oh no, my Great Depression. Where have all the parsnips gone? Neelix would the Great Depression. Yeah. Neelix has caused the Great Depression <laughs> in us. <laughs> oh. But um, no, there's a, there's a brief moment where they're talking about the, the talent show and there's some dumb joke about like, uh, I, I like what would I do? I'm not really a performing guy. I'm good with phasers. I guess I could shoot an apple off your head. And if I miss, then I'll be captain. <laughs> it was a nice dumb little joke. Yeah. And we all move up in rank. <laughs> Oh, here's the note I took from uh, Harry's uh, funeral appearance. Mm. His speech is basically, remember that time I ate too many popsicles? You guys, popsicles are delicious and I'm sad mommy's dead. Uh, yes. He's he's telling this story about when they went to a planet and they found some delicious berries and he ate too many berries and then he got sick and mommy came and like rubbed his tummy or something. It's It's like he's fucking seven, man. Like, I know. It's not great. It's like they wanted to put another kid, like they wanted to put have another Wesley character, and then they just forgot to cast a kid. <laughs> king of all children. Yes. I'm the new king of all children. You're, 20, you're 25. <laughs> and there's no other children on the ship. I'm a little boy. Who are you king of? Harry, are you wearing a diaper? It's mine. <laughs> I also have a giant lolly. He's dragging a big uh, teddy bear behind him. <laughs> Now let's go to Mother Boy. Oh, man. He and Janeway would totally go to Mother Boy. Upon her knee. In matching costumes. Oh, man. Matching pantsuits. <coughs> All right. I have nothing more to say about this. How about I'll you? I'll just look over my notes. There's a fucking image, by the way. What? Those two? Like, uh-huh. Her in her 90s camouflage pantsuit and him in a tiny version of it? Yep. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man. No, I think we're done here. Very well. Let's move on to an episode that when I heard the one sentence description of, I thought I would hate, and inexplicably, I don't. Blood fever. 
which is worse than Pac-Man fever, I assure you. But not as bad as Blood Simple. Uh, that's true. <clears throat> so, there comes a time, once every seven years, when a Vulcan is overcome with, well, there's no direct translation in your language. The boner which can only be sated by mating or murder will have to do. Early warning signs, as we saw in the classic original series episode Spock Amok, include <laughs> soup throwing and mutiny. Side note, I remain eternally in Bob's comedic debt for that Spock Amok joke. It works on so many levels. <laughs> so yeah, it's Ponfar time. But not for Tuvok, because he's a Vulcan we've been getting to know for three whole seasons, and who wants to learn anything about him? No, the fucker flight impulse has stricken the ship's second most popular Vulcan, that guy we didn't know existed until like three episodes ago. You know, the one who was in Lower Decks, but isn't actually the guy from Lower Decks. I can never remember his name. Probably starts with an S or a T. Anyway, he's overcome by the titular blood fever and performs the Vulcan ritual of sidling up to your boss and casually attempting to sexually assault them. Only since his boss is Balana, she's not taking any of that bullshit and she delivers her own culturally appropriate countermeasure. The traditional Klingon bitch slap. <laughs> so not Tuvok, which is what I'm going to call him, that's his name. Tuvok. Uh, is sensibly... <laughs> yes is sensibly confined to quarters while he deals with his rage-fuck blue balls. And Bellana proceeds to lead a team consisting of Paris and Neelix down to a planet to mine for some important substance. Not dilithium, but basically dilithium. Only she's acting funny, which we can tell immediately, because this is not only TV, but also Voyager, and everything like that has to be telegraphed from 500 miles away. See, somehow she caught Ponfar from that Vulcan dude. Which, let's be clear, doesn't make a lick of sense. But it also means that she tries to kill Neelix in Paris, so I'm willing to wait this one out. Back upstairs on Voyager, the doctor suggests that... I'm gonna have to look his name up, aren't I? Vorik! That doesn't start with an S or a T. Huh. Anyway, the doctor prescribes some medicinal pornography to Vorik to ease the pressure on his pointed loins. <laughs> Somehow, in all the centuries that Vulcans... You like that? Sorry. That's fine. Go Just back. quit laughing at my jokes, Matt. Go about your business. <laughs> Somehow in all the centuries that Vulcan have been out in space suffering from this periodic biological drive, nobody ever thought to relieve the strain using whatever that era's equivalent of girly mags was. Back on the planet, Bellana attempts to sexually assault Paris, who somehow, beyond all expectations, resists her, citing concerns like consent. See, this is way more out of character than that time he let his, get, let his hair get mussed up a little bit. Anyway, Vork decides that he's better than a common Barkley, and his urges can't be sated by merely sticking his penis into some projected light. So he beams down to the planet to reclaim his intended mate, Balana. Then the two of them engage in that fight to the death, since he can't have her. I knew they wouldn't use the old original series music here, but I really wanted them to. Sing it with me, Matt. Now sing Sugarfoots with me. <laughs> Hacha! <laughs> You always like to do the other part, too, though. Yeah. That uh, lends itself well to your uh, falsetto. It's true. I'll be singing so, that at uh, Emerald City this year, by the way. Yeah, we'll do that at karaoke. <laughs> don't don't you have the Amok Time fight theme? What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> so, their murderous fuck rages calmed. Vorik and Bellana return to the ship as though none of this ever happened. Oh, and just before the old executive producer credit pops up, we have one more surprise for you. Not quite as shocking as Paris keeping it in his pants, but still a bit unexpected. The Borg have been here. We're probably going to be seeing more of them soon. Which would be more shocking if we didn't already know Seven of Nine joins the crew in like ten episodes. But still, not too shabby, Voyager. That's one in a row. Yeah. I genuinely liked this one. Yeah, there's a lot to like about this one. Um, I didn't know that it, like, it wasn't perfect, but it was definitely a step up from everything we've watched for the last <coughs> season, at least. I, it, I mean... It's one of those things where it's a stupid concept, and I say this over and over and over again. If you get your stupid concept out of the way and just get on with it and do something either fun or interesting with the characters, mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. And that's what they did. Yep. You got some insights into Balana. You got, like, uh, Vorik was quite good. Yeah, I liked um, Vorik quite a bit. I feel bad for him by the end of the episode, you know. Yeah. He's only been around for three episodes, but he's, like, a guy I kind of like. And just to, to <laughs> picture him... At the end of this, with, like, a broken dick and, like, all, all of his plans come to nothing. Yeah. No, it's terrible. I mean, that's this is, they list the ways you can satisfy the blood fever. And really, the, the best way is to fuck your, you know, on, on Vulcan arranged wife. Yeah. If you can't get there, then, then you got to do something else. But, uh, the you know, one of the other ways is to fight. And he fought and he lost. got his ass kicked. Yeah. Yeah. And I doubt we'll ever see him again after this, because he served his purpose. I, I hope I hope he's still around, but yeah. I'd like knows. that, but I, you know, like, let's be honest here. <coughs> no, we know how this works. Uh-huh. Which is unfortunate. <clears throat> Sorry, Vorik. 
Yeah. Tavoric. He was good, though. He was he was good though. Mm-hmm. Like I liked him, and like I liked the Bolana stuff. I was super impressed with Paris. Oh yeah, um, he kept it in his pants. Like how, they did. How oh, much does that say about a character that we're like, hey, you didn't you didn't have sex with the uh, the woman who wasn't in her right mind? Good for you. Uh, yeah, the thing is, it it happened over about ten minutes, like two or three scenes, mm-hmm. and the first time I thought that, but the second or third time is like, no, this is actually good. Mm-hmm. Like it's he's gone beyond that now. Like, I, I respect this because no. he's like, no, look, yes, I do want this. You're sexy and I've been hitting on you for a while, but th- this isn't cool, man. You're not in your right mind. This is going to be weird later. That let's, let's, let's not. Like, that's how any, like, Riker would do that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of classy, horny guys. Yeah. So not Kirk. Yeah, no, 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 not Kirk. Kirk would probably just go with it. But Riker absolutely oh, yeah. would say, like, not, like, if, if Deanna or somebody was going through this, you'd like, Look, this isn't cool. Mm. Like, we'll do this later, but not now. Yeah. This isn't good. We're going to do this and, when it's fun. Yeah. For both of us. I don't want to have sex with you if it's a chore. Come on. <laughs> I just, he did a really, like, it was written well. It was mm-hmm. acted well by both of them. Yep. Those scenes were effective. Also, a little hot. Yeah, a little bit. Like, some of her, like, aggressive uh, Klingon uh, foreplay, like, she played it very well. It was shot very well. Uh, Andrew Robinson directed this and i feel like he must have maybe had a little sense of like oh this is supposed to be a little sexy but also uncomfortable now fuck her like i'd fuck the doctor (laughs) oh you haven't seen that show well come over to the other set and i'll introduce you to a friend your kids are gonna love it yeah (laughs) but it's it's a nice uh it's it's a nice like it's it's creepy it's true to the characters Mm -hmm. it's it gives us something we've never seen before like it's there's a lot going on there yeah yeah i like it and again on paper Balana catches Ponfar. I Ugh. you told me about really? this last week, and I let's see if I can replicate the noise I made. What? Yeah, not great. Because I mean, we we know Ponfar. We saw one, you know, arguably the most popular Star Trek character of all time go through this in one of the most popular episodes he starred in, mm-hmm. and it's not contagious. No, but in fairness. When he when Vorik uh, lunges at Balana, he does a like he touches her face, mm-hmm. and he's, I the idea that I got was he sort of started initiating like a meld. Yeah, because it's not just about the physical genital touching for them; it's it's a mental thing too. Yeah, which is probably also why it doesn't why the the porn thing doesn't work later in the episode. Right, because he's got to telepathically bond as well as physically bond, mm-hmm. and so I, I actually buy that. Like it, it's it feeds on established Vulcan lore, and it doesn't. Con- contradict anything mm. like that's cool i can buy that yeah it's not so much that she catches it as it sort of gets forced into her mind or something which yeah because he st- he starts melding so he mm. starts sort of transmitting all his thoughts and feelings mm. and sh- and gets pulled away before it finishes so she's got the urges but no context for it yeah and none of his control yeah so, so it, I, it, it, I wor- that. It, wor- it, it works fine enough that i can you know yeah not make it a big deal the fact that Vulcans have been established to have this telepathic power helps. Mm, yes, exactly. Because it's like, that's a thing we knew they could do. They didn't just make it up for this episode. Yeah. I We've always liked that when they take sort of puzzle pieces from other episodes and fit them together in new ways. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. And I, again, I, I still think Roxanne Biggs Dawson is a little limited in some ways. They've given her things that I don't think she can handle, but this was right in her zone. Oh, absolutely. Everything in this, the the rage and the the desperate sort of horniness and all that stuff, like, which I, I mean, that sounds funny, but really, it's not easy to play effectively. No, not at all. I think I think she did a good job. Like, and also, that's walking again, walking that fine line between you know still not being horrible. Yeah, and it could, or it could be campy. It could be like yeah. straight up mirror universe Kira, which is like sexy but way over the top. Mm-hmm. This was properly sexy. I thought. So, Mister Paris, brr. yeah. Which is great in a Mirror Universe episode, but here, yeah, like, sorry, we're in the real world. She's got to, we got to have a tether to the real Balana. You need to be like a real person. Sorry. Yeah. I I know how fun it is to be not a real person, but. uh, This isn't the time to chew the scenery. Yeah. This is the time to chew people's faces. (laughs) Like you do. Bit them right on the cheek. It was great. But I mean, didn't Kalar do that to Worf or vice versa? Yeah, I believe so. That's established as well. Like. I, one of the things, and I usually lay this at Braga's feet, but I feel like it's Voyager and, and more Enterprise. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the things I don't like about these series is they seem to discard a lot of Trek history and make up their own stuff. And so I'm always happy when they don't do that. Yeah. 
I'm always happy when they remember what things were like, and instead of contradicting it or ignoring it, they build on it. Yeah, they make it work within the context of the new show. That's the thing I've always liked yeah. from... Uh, That's the whole Trek. point of a shared universe of anything. Yeah. And Star Trek might have been one of the first big shared universe, you know, media things. Mm-hmm. Like, there were shows and movies running simultaneously that all were in the same world. Yeah. Like, I, there may be other things before that, but this was probably the first big one. And they did it well. They did, like, a good... This is what Klingons are like, so this is what a Klingon would be like if they had this. Yeah. And here's Vulcans plus this, and like, you know, good. There's specific examples I won't get to yet, but Enterprise would just either ignore stuff or change it because it didn't fit their story or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was really annoying. Yeah, that's the reason I remember not liking Enterprise. But for now, you know, good job, Voyager. Right now we're not liking Voyagers, so pat on the head for this episode. Yeah. You you get a gold star. Yeah. Uh, what was your good thing? Uh, so during the actual fight scene, I think this might have been your bad thing. So that this should be no, fun. it's it's not. It's my um, <laughs> it, it's it was in my summary. Oh, okay, but it wasn't uh, my bad thing. So they didn't use the traditional music, but the song that they play during the the uh, Spockamock fight is definitely influenced by that music. And I like that. I didn't get that lot. feeling. I oh man. I, like they've got like the bam, the just like the big sort of swooping bam, bam. Yeah, see, the sixties music and this was just sixties music mm. was just way bombastic and super over the top, and I don't think it would fit here. Yeah, but also like I don't. Well, more I horns I can and... almost I can almost guarantee that someone brought it up in the uh, in the writers' room, and they're like, "We're not playing that old song. That'll look terrible in our nineties show." Yeah, my our ultra modern nineteen nineties show. Yeah, but we can reference it by making song a song that kind of sounds like it. I didn't feel like it sounded like it, but if you feel like that, that's cool. Mm. No, I really like that. Fair enough. Also, the whole fight scene was pretty good. <laughs> it <laughs> was. There's a scene where he fucking he jumps on. He tries to jump on uh, Bolana like he's diving into a pool and just no. slams into the ground. It's amazing. There were a few moves, and also the the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. But but a lot of the way they fought. Was very original series. Yeah. A lot of old school. If there'd been a wall, someone would have jumped up on it like Kirk used to. <laughs> oh, his butt slam? Yeah. <laughs> Just like put your put your foot three feet up on the wall and spring off the wall at somebody. Uh-huh. Thing. Captain Kirk's style of fighting was, tr- was creatively fall over. I still want to see Chris Pine do some of that shit. Uh huh. I really do. Like, there's a lot of action in those movies, whether you like them or not. But they they should they should make some of it just like cheesy, like yeah. They, they should make, give him a weird fighting style. Yeah, I'll tell you this, man. No one in any of the, in either of the new Trek movies has ever karate chopped the back of someone, and that that shit's all over every Star Trek. Yeah, and I would also say, and I've said this before, I also want to see Chris Pine in that uh, the green wraparound shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Like an updated version of it, like they've updated everything else, but mm-hmm. but based clearly based on that. Yeah, his 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 leisure uniform. Yeah, which was an, a laundry accident that they turned into a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh fuck! His gold uniform got washed with something blue, and now it's green. Uh, it's a green shirt. <laughs> we'll just change the cut of it and uh, casual just... it up a bit. Yeah, looking um, good, Bill. <laughs> put on this mustache and be your own brother. My best, Bill. <laughs> he just turned 200 or something the other day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, st- I'm starting to think he's stealing age from other Star Trek uh, actors. Yeah, that could be. Until he's like the last one. His book is out now, by the way. Yeah, the, uh, the I am why I think uh, Leonard Nimoy is great. I am Spock's friend. <laughs> I am now Spock. <laughs> <laughs> so you die and we all move up in rank. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, I have heard good things about it from people I trust, mm-hmm. like from Star Trek blogs I trust and also from people I know in life that I yeah. trust. But what's that, what's that Tumblr we're always referring to? We should probably give it a shout out on the show. We use it enough. Uh, what's his name? Kevin something. Church. Kevin Church. Kevin Church. Yeah. He's, he wrote a Star Trek comic or two. He, he maintains a really good blog. If you follow our Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com, we reblog him about half the time. Yeah. It's it's really solid. Like yeah. it's it's worth looking at. But uh, he he had good things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it feels to me like a like a corpse humping thing. It feels like Nimoy died, and within a year he's got a book out about how great Nimoy was. And it's not like the proceeds are being donated to the Nimoy Foundation. The Nimoy, yeah, like Nimoy had some um, uh, uh, charities and stuff. Oh yeah, 
that would be the move is like write the book get your name out there but don't collect any money on that that's that's crass no. <laughs> all proceeds go to me william shatner yeah so because can, i'm not rich enough so i can drown another wife <laughs> we don't know that that happened that's alleged yes the legend of ne or nimoy no he didn't do anything <laughs> he was a good guy yeah. the legend of shatner's drowned wife yeah just allegedly Mm -hmm. Like this, let's be clear. We're not we're not libeling or slandering anyone here. No, please don't sue us. We're just talking about this for fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun talking about murders, isn't it? <laughs> uh, anyway. uh, still, on, honest, What's that? honestly, if he did it, he would have released a book by now called "I Didn't Do It, But If I Did," OJ style. Yeah, OJ actually did that. No, it was called "If I Did It," and he made the word "if" really, really small, mm -hmm. so it just said "I did it." Ugh. Sure, I'm glad that guy's in jail, finally. There's apparently a TV show about how his trial, I don't know. I, don't I hear know it's good, stuff. but it's got Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, and I hate Cu Cu Cuba Gooding Jr. Really? I really hate Cuba. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's Cuba. Cuba. I hate Cuba. Say scuba. Scuba. Yeah, that is fun scuba. to say. Yeah, that is fun to say. No, now I'm doing my H-Tom Benjamin. Lana. <laughs> Lana. Hey, Linda. 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 Lana. All right. So... Back to Blood Fever. Oh, right. Johnny Blood Fever. <laughs> My good thing. Uh, speaking of building on previous stuff, I, I, everything we've seen about the Vulcans so far, I feel like backs this up. I like the idea that they're super secretive and ashamed. Oh, of yeah. This, of this one period in their lives, like this every seven years thing, where they turn into raging, violent sex maniacs and they just can't keep a, like, a lid on, you know, because their whole thing is control. Mm -hmm. And... The idea that they've explored a little in, in movies and TV, but more in books, I think, is that Vulcans are actually super, super passionate. Yeah. And the whole logic thing came because that's the only way to keep the shit under control and to live. No, they're they're they're, they're, they're it's just a constant struggle to, to keep everything. Like under that's wraps. canon, right? I think so. Yeah. I remember it mostly from the book Spock's World, which is excellent, by yeah. the way. Like, it, it takes you through a whole history of the Vulcan race and how they evolved to be like that. Oh, fuck. But that book is so fucking good, by the way. It's one of my all-time favorite Star Trek books. Mm -hmm. But um, it's... I, I, if it's not canon, it's canon. It's head canon. Yeah. The idea that they're actually born... the Like, biologically, they're, they've got... You know, chemically, they've got more... Like, just more emotions, more, you know, adrenaline, whatever... Whatever emotions equals chemically. Mm -hmm. They've got more of that, and they have to work extra hard to keep it under wraps. And every seven years, they just can't. Mm -hmm. It just it goes nuts, and they gotta they gotta mate. They yeah. just gotta do it. I, I love and, that it's either it's either fighting or, or it's either sex or fighting to get yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah, uh, and they try to meditate it away, but that doesn't really work. Yeah, but they try. But I like that they're super secretive about it. Mm -hmm. I like. I usually hate when they do a well. We have no medical records of this cornerstone of the federation mm -hmm. like really a, a main thing that happens to every single vulcan you don't have it in the computer yeah but in this case it makes sense because they don't want to talk about it they in fact uh the two vulcans we know who are vorik and tuvok mm -hmm. don't talk about it and when one of like when the doctor asks tuvok like you're a vulcan can you tell me about this no I, I absolutely cannot. This is not a thing we talk about. Yeah. Like to anyone, even a doctor, even even under the privileged doctor patient thing. I we don't talk about it. I also I think it's very interesting that not only do they not talk about it, but the Vulcans apparently haven't studied it at all. Yeah. Like like Tuvok has a line like the doctor asks him, Do you not know or do you not want to tell me? And the, Tuvok's like both. Yeah. Like I love that the Vulcans are just so ashamed of this that they won't even research into it, which is why it's still so like there's so much tradition to it. Yeah, and there's such an accomplished race of scientists mm -hmm. that it's really interesting to me that this one thing, like they're, actually the doctor even says you're being Victorian about it, which obviously is an Earth-centric way to say it. Yeah. But it is, it, like, for, for nice shorthand, it is very Victorian. Mm -hmm. It is very, you, like, we've had Earth cultures that are like that. You just ignore, like, sex is not a thing that that happens. You don't talk about it. Yeah. And... I like that this is just a big blind spot for them. And even in the scene with Vorik and Tuvok, like they have a scene together. Yeah. They they talk around it, but they like it's clear they're they're ashamed. They're both super embarrassed and mm -hmm. they don't want to talk about it. No, and, I love that Tuvok the first thing out of Tuvok's mouth is I'm sorry I have to talk to you. Yeah. I am so sorry. This this should like I know, man. I've been there and I know, mm -hmm. and we just don't like saying I've been there is even too much. Yeah. <laughs> But the idea is that 
they have to go back home. Like, and if you're in space and you can't get back home, you better have someone there you can fuck or fight. Mm-hmm. Because that's it. That's all you can do. Yeah. And I, I'm glad, you know, it feels it feels like a nice extra layer on top of what we already know about the Vulcans. Yeah. No, it's, it's taking, a nice, it's taking, you know, it's it's doing that building thing. Yeah. It's like what we said. And I like when Star Trek does that. Mm-hmm. I like, like when we met Worf and we learned more and more about Klingons. Like that all felt like it fit what we already saw. Mm-hmm. And whenever they give us a peek into what happened to an established culture, like I like, you know, I just, I don't know. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my bad thing I basically already said, which is the actual concept is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I like it. But they do play it off well, you know? Yeah, they do. It could be a lot worse. Like, he blows his nose into a handkerchief, and then she picks it up or something. Yeah. And he catches no, it, it all, like it all flows nicely, yeah. because he, he goes after her, mm-hmm. and him doing that is what causes it. And that comes back in the last act, where they have to fight. Yeah. Like that's all that's all well plotted, I thought. They 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 plotted it out well. The interesting thing is Tuvok initially was gonna be the one down on the planet with her. Yeah. And they changed it to Paris, and I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. Cause we know, spoilers I guess, that they're gonna end up together. Yeah. And while I don't necessarily like the idea, it's gonna happen. And this is good. Like this is a good way to start that. Yeah, it's nice building. I like uh her last line in the episode, which is <laughs> like uh uh, what is it like? Uh, they're talking about. T- he's talking about how like he's you know. Well, we get an awkward elevator scene at the yeah. very end, and then at the like, end she's so that happened right, and, and then at the end she's like, well, you know, if you're interested, you know, you know where to find me. Well, that's the thing she says, and we can't tell if it's the 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 horny crazy or if she really feels this. But she's like, yeah, I'm a little crazy right now, but I do have feelings for you. Like the, I like you and Neelix are here, and I'm not going after Neelix. Oh God, can you imagine? No. Just, just move on, please. What was your bad thing? Um. Oh, so the doctor knows how private and, uh, like, you know, personal embarrassing pond, and embarrassing Ponfar is. Uh, but he still blabs it to Tuvok five seconds after uh, uh, what's his face leaves the room. Um. So we just not have doctor-patient confidentiality anymore, like at all. I. I mean, you're right. But maybe the thought is, look, every Vulcan goes through this. It's not really like I'm telling him he's got cancer. I'm telling him. I still like you know, that's. I'm, I'm with you. That's not cool, man. I Especially agree. since uh, Zvorak, right? Yeah. He's he, like, he's adamant. You do not talk. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I'm dealing with this. Leave me yeah, alone. You were, do you not- were my physician and you're not even a, a, like a person. Yeah. I, you, were, you were the most likely person I could talk to about it and I'm still not going to. Yeah, like, do not tell anyone about this. All right, I won't tell anyone about this. Hello, Tuvok. Hey, there's another Vulcan here, right? What, what can you tell me, buddy? <laughs> I don't want to uh, tell you anything. Oh. Well, why wouldn't you tell me that? <laughs> oh. Little, little bit of an annoying uh, uh, heteronormative thing where they go through uh, like uh, Vorik's options. Oh, and yeah. they're like, uh, well, there are this many women on the ship. That that's how many choices you have. Like, really, all of well, the men and women are going to pair up directly. There's well, nobody on the ship who might do something different. He does say un- he does say there's a number that are, that are unavailable, which you know I assume they're already they dating wrote someone to say that they're already dating someone. But I can yeah. still read as or you know uh, not into you. That's yeah, but that's a reach. But yeah, they basically saying your available mate options are. Although I do wonder now that I think of it, mm. I I don't know like because the whole issue of gay people in Star Trek just never comes up because Rick Berman was scared to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we've ever like if a gay Vulcan is even a thing, but assuming it is mm-hmm. because like there are plenty of gay and other things humans. Mm-hmm. And also animals and like it's a biological thing. But I wonder because Ponfar is biological mm-hmm. and the drive is to mate, not to fuck, but to mate, Ooh. to breed. Yeah, I was thinking about this, too. Um, if a gay Vulcan got Ponfar, would he have to find someone of the opposite sex or would having sex with what, you know, whoever they're actually with? Mm. Would that matter? You know, that's a really good question. I'd like to believe that it's partly like it's that psychic bonding. It's just doing that psychic bonding thing with someone. It could be. But, but I, you think, could be, I think you could be completely right. It could just be you have to mate. My understanding is it's a primal biological urge to actually spread your seed and mate. Mm-hmm. And that, if that's the case, you got to have a, you know, yeah. you got to have both halves of that. So I don't know. It's, yeah. it's an interesting thing that, like, I'd love to, maybe a new Trek series could explore that a little bit. Yeah, that would be great. 
And we know Brian Fuller's not scared to do that. And so. we also know he listens to the show. So Brian Fuller, uh, for, first of all, do that. Secondly, call us. Yeah, absolutely. We'll write some uh, damn we, good episodes. We'll write it a better episode than Coda. I can guarantee you that. And Coda look, was we'll, on TV. Look, we'll just... Uh, We'll just give you like a pile of pitches. You use them or don't use them. We don't even need to get paid. Maybe no. put a special thanks in the credits or something. That'll make that episode hard to review, though. Not not even put us in the credits. I think just knowing that our ideas are being used is good enough. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Star Trek is more like what I want because they're using my ideas. Yep. Would be enough. I don't even need credit. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Fuller, call us. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, our friend Tidro would like to uh, smother you in kisses for Hannibal. Yes. While we have you on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Mm-hmm. That's about all. I- oh, they had these pretty cool. I don't know if I've seen these before. These like uh, away team uniforms. Oh, yeah. I like, like a- I like those quite a bit. Not just because Bellana looks amazing in it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a form fitting thing. And yeah, it does. It does accentuate her, her subtleties nicely. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a it's like a it's all gray and it's got a stripe of what department they're in across the shoulder. And I, I don't know. I like it. I don't know uh, what it's for. It's not just a straightaway mission. I think it must be like a, like a. It's their spelunking uh, cave diving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the cave adventure playset. <laughs> I I like it though. Cave adventure Neelix comes with everything you see here. Please do not oh, buy no. cave adventure Neelix. <laughs> oh no, my accessories. <laughs> oh no, my purse. Yep. Uh, I will say I'm pissed off that there's the that Neelix gets a yellow uh, department band, which he does not deserve. No, it, it looks like a real uniform. He's wearing the same clothes as everyone else, and that mm-hmm. is unacceptable. No, it should definitely be like, you know, the color of one of his idiotic suits. Honestly, if you just want to issue a generic gray suit without a stripe, mm-hmm. that would have been the, the diplomatic way to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Starfleet likes its color coordination. Yeah, but he's not like he, he they gave him yellow. Mm-hmm. He's not engineering or security. No, like he's just not our ops. He's or whatever idiot. yellow is. I don't is, there, know. is there a color for that? An idiot uh, color? I don't know. What did Rom wear? <laughs> oh, man. Remember Rom? I do remember Rom. <laughs> That's how bad it's getting. Really is. Mm-hmm. He's Rom. Uh, brother. Friend to all children. I do like the doctor's utter delight with himself. Utter self-satisfaction in, I've solved this problem by giving him pornography, which oh, I no one that. has surely ever thought of before. I love that, too. And that, especially since, like, when, as soon as this episode starts, I'm like, well, why doesn't he just go jerk off? And they answer no. it. It doesn't work that way, because there's no. not that psychic connection. No. And, like, they address that. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, let's try it. And this may be the first time I've ever seen Star Trek try to solve a problem through, uh, suggesting someone fuck a hologram. Yeah, I believe I have a note to that effect. It's like, is this the first problem that they've tried to solve with masturbation? I don't, like, is it? I mean, it is, because it's reaching sexual climax by yourself. Mm -hmm. I just think of it as another layer. Like, it's beyond masturbation to me. It's like Star Trek beyond masturbation. (laughs) No, it's like, I don't know. I guess a fleshlight is still masturbation. I guess a blow-up doll is still masturbation. So I I guess, I... I don't know. I just. I think would almost as... say that those two items enhance the masturbation of it. Yeah, just because. But it's... I just, in my mind, it's not. It's not even like hooking up with a prostitute. It's, mm. but it's more than masturbating. It's in this weird new gray area. It's like having sex with a TV show you're watching. Yeah, something like that. But I guess it could just be like you know rubbing one out while you're watching Three's Company or something. <laughs> I was so worried you were going to say Voyager. No, although. The Bellana scenes? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's mostly that we watch them together, Al, is my problem. I, the first time we don't. No, that's true. Sometimes I watch them with my wife. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Maybe I will. All right. Maybe I'll buy a pipe. How's that pipe? Wait, do I have a pipe? No, I don't have a pipe. I don't know. Um, the doctor says uh, at one point when he's patting himself on the back for that, he says, I, I'm thinking about writing a comparative study of mating rituals. Like, I, I think I would read that. Uh-huh. If that was one of those dumb spinoff books that they printed. <laughs> the do- really... Like the Mr. Spock's Guide to the uh, yeah. Technical Journal Guide or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the EMH, uh, Voyager EMH Guide to Interspecies Mating. I'd, I'd probably buy and read and enjoy that book. Uh-huh. As long as there were diagrams. Not sexy diagrams, just funny, you know, mm-hmm. weird alien genital diagrams. Oh, that's how that works, huh? Huh. I never would have thought. 
The uh, Andorians are remarkably like uh, putting together Ikea furniture. That's like a little Allen wrench they got down there. Oh, weird. Huh. Andorian uh, sex is modular. Yeah. You can, you like, that's why orgies are so great. You just keep snapping more and more of them together. Yeah. Unfortunately, they often get stuck together. You have to spray them with a fire hose. <laughs> and their antenna goes straight up like a, you know, dog's Dion. ears or something. Dion. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. There was a cool thing. Uh, while, while all this is happening, um, there are aliens on this planet that are trying to stay hidden. Oh, yes, the bark aliens. Yeah, yeah, which uh, another terrible cabbage head alien, but a better better rendered version of that design mm-hmm. than usual. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a nice... Chakotay's like, oh, you didn't want us to find you. Yeah, that's cool. You know what? Before we go, we'll find some better ways to hide you so that people like us can't find you again. Mm-hmm. And like, I like that. We're going to tear down your mitten statue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, you know, look, we're a mitten-loving race. If more of us come along, they're going to say, hey, look, mittens. But it's it's nice, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's a cool diplomatic Star Trek kind of like, oh, you, you don't want to be found. Well, let's let's help hide you a little better. Buddy. Yeah, no, put you and, in a bush. But the cool thing, and I mentioned this in my summary, is what they're hiding from is hundreds of years ago, somebody laid waste to their surface and they're hiding underneath like under the ground. And who laid waste to, laid waste to their planet is the Borg. Yep. At the very end, we find a couple of Borg corpses up up top and we're like, oh, shit, I guess I guess that's. Where we're, what we're heading into now. Yeah, that's some pretty good... It's actually some pretty good foresh- uh, foreshadowing. I don't know if, like, foreshadowing implies subtlety. It's not... No, it, well, no, it's not subtle at all. There's a fucking dead Borg over there. It's a Borg There's, skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a Borg skeleton. But it's still... Like, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was a nice, like... Because we know they're coming. Oh, yeah. And, but, but at the time, it would have been a surprise. Because we all kind of assume they're from the Delta Quadrant. I think it was not officially canon, but we all kind of like it was in the, I don't know, the chronology or the encyclopedia that it probably was true. Yeah. And First Contact had been out for a year or two. So like there hadn't been anything Borg recently. Yeah. And we've so got all like, these we've got all these great looking Borg uh, sets and stuff left over from First Contact. Yeah. We might as well use them. Yeah. We built all new prosthetics for everything that mm-hmm. are still probably in storage. Like the whole totally redesigned them to look more sort of HR Giger. Mm hmm. You know, hey, hey really, like, Giger. <laughs> um, do you want to play Blackfire or Tooth Dominos? <laughs> anyway, it was it was a nice little like moment on top of everything else. It was kind of out of nowhere, but I liked it. Yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> yep. And that's all I got. What yeah, I think you? I'm just looking at my notes here. Um. Uh. <laughs> Other than being annoyed when they fall off the side of the cliff and nobody gives a shit, like it looks like they fall three hundred feet. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Oh. Neelix falls first, and my note was, "Hey, dead Neelix." Oh man, ah, uh, no. he's alive. Yeah, nothing can kill me. <laughs> I'm immortal. No. Uh, of course he is. Oh, oh, uh, I, I have a quote. Oh I yes, believe. play your coat. Play your quote. Play your coat. Ah uh, yes, yes. I will pay my coat. They will way laced to your planet. She's a hologram. She isn't real. Then I assume you have the same low regard for me. You're a skilled physician, Doctor, but let me point out the limitations to your own experience with physical matters. I believe we're discussing your sexual difficulties at the moment, Ensign. I just, I like the Doctor's little uh, snark. I always like the Doctor. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for this time. Uh, coming up on that live show I've been talking about. Yeah, I believe we've got, I, as of now, about, what, two weeks? Uh, yeah, actually, a little less than two weeks. When this comes out, it'll be about ten days. Yeah. Uh, April 8th at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. I wrote it down this mm-hmm. time. Uh, five, I believe, five in the evening, five, five thirty, something like that. Uh, that I, I didn't write down. Five thirty. I want to say. The problem is our panel the next day at Emerald City is at 5.15. Yes. They're at similar times, but slightly different, and I always mix the two up. Around the 5 o'clock hour at mm-hmm. the Pocket Theater in Seattle on April 8th, go to thepocket.org or postatomichorror.com for more details. You will see. Uh, it is it is $10 to buy tickets online, 14 to buy them at the venue. It's a nice little black box theater here in Seattle. I record stuff there all the time with a bunch of local voice uh, performers. We've played there a couple of times, a couple of PA live shows. It's a nice little venue. Mm-hmm. It's it's small, but it's a great like little uh, support community theater type place with a really good local comedy community. 
Uh, we'll have a bunch of our friends, a lot of the people you hear on this show. Uh, yes. Flonk, Brian, Amanda, Bob, like a lot of our Tidro. Yep. A lot of our regular guests will be there. Friends of the show, like uh, noted time and again enthusiast Scott Zioko will be there. Oh, man. Uh, Make Caitlin, sure to ask that guy about time and again. Yes. The Q, the Q starts early for that. Mm-hmm. Bring your copy of time and again and Scott will probably sign it for you. Uh, Caitlin, who's been on the show before, she'll be there. Yep. Um, lots of lots of friends of the show, and uh, we'll probably go out for a meal or something after if you want to join us at, at your own expense. Yes, but we are not paying for the meal, but you no. Can come but if along. you want to come have some pizza with us, you're you're more than welcome to. Yes. Um. So come check that out. And as I say, at the Emerald City Comic Con the next day, April 9th, that is at five fifteen. Uh, we have a panel. If you have tickets to the Comic-Con, you should come see it. It is, it is a, they put us in a giant room, but I feel confident that, uh, that we can do this thing. Yes. I'm excited for that. Double uh, yes. And that's all for this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.